right, what's going on, Faith Church? Hey, welcome, everybody. It is great to have you in the house. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor. Hey, I would ask us right out of the gate, man. Can we stand to our feet? I, um, come on. Hello. Test, test, testing one, two. Hablo inglés. Um, I would love for us to take an opportunity to pray for our nation. Um, some of you tracking the news, um, possibly seeing the law that was passed uh, up in New York for abortions to happen literally at the time of birth just before. Um, I just want to say this real quick. If, if you're here and you've had an abortion or you know somebody's had an abortion or you think abortion's okay, um, that's okay. This is a no condemnation place. But I want you to know as your pastor, um, I just believe abortion is murder. I believe it not only violates God's command, I believe it violates God's heart. As a nation, um, sometimes we get off track, and we need to pray for our nation. The uh, Bible says judgment begins in the house of God. So before we can ever expect them to get it right, we got to get it right. But that happens with us inviting God to be a part of the process. So will you all, man, I just want us to pray. I want us to pray for our nation just for a minute. I want us just to pray that there just be an awakening, man, that we would somehow get on the path we need to be. And God would help us to find that, discover that, and walk in that. We all pray with me, Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Father, right now we lift up, God, every person that's in place of authority. God, we thank you, God. The word says that, God, the heart of the king, God, is in your hands. So, Father, we know you're sovereign. We know you're in control. And so, Lord, we just ask that, God, by your spirit, that, God, every, every person in charge, Father, we pray, God, from our present. Uh, God, to our congressmen and congresswomen. And Father, we ask for our governors, our mayors. Father, we ask for all the people, God, in legislation, that, God, you'd move on their hearts. Father, I pray, God, help them to follow the path of righteousness. God, help them, God, even if they don't know the word, instinctively, God, you put in us to know right from wrong. I pray, God, lead them in that path. Father, help them to follow. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that, God, we as a nation wouldn't go with what is convenient and easy. Lord, I pray that, God, we would go in a place and a path that honors you. God, I pray, don't forsake this nation. God, I pray, Lord, you would pour out mercy. And God, I pray, Lord, help us here as your people, God, to get it right first. God, without pointing fingers, God, we humble ourselves. Pray you'll deal with our hearts. And God, help what you do in us to spill out into the world around us. But Father, I pray, God, help this nation to be on a path that honors you. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. God bless you guys. You can have a seat. So listen, several years ago, I had the opportunity to travel on an international flight. I've traveled quite a bit to uh, other countries. And I'll be honest, traveling um, 12, 15, 18, 20-hour flights, not my favorite thing in the world. And um, when you're thin as I am, it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough. So I get on this flight, right? And if you've never traveled internationally, typically larger planes are the ones that fly overseas. And so when you go into a larger flight, there are, there are three sections. There's, there's uh, the right section, and it has three seats. And the middle section has sometimes three or four seats. And then the outside section has three seats. And so luckily, I don't even know how it happened. I've never flown first class. I dream about it. If anybody wants to put me on first class, I, I would take it. And I don't even care where you send me. I just like to ride in first class. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, so I get on this plane. Somehow I got in zone one or two, which if you don't know anything about it, the lower your zone is, the sooner you can get on the plane. And so I'm like zone one or two. So when I board this plane, there's hardly anybody else on the plane yet. I mean, I passed the, the people in first class, which I, I mean mugged them on the way. 
But when I get back where the common folks sent, like the chickens and stuff, like there's hardly anybody there. And so I get to my row and here I'm, I'm in the center seat of this set of three seats, right? Center seat, which is just a bad place to sit anytime, especially on an international flight. But I sit down, it's, it's you know, where I'm booked. I sit down, I'm getting my stuff out. And a few moments later, this young lady walks in and she comes up to me and she's holding her boarding pass and she says, excuse me, sir, you're sitting in my seat. And so I pulled out my boarding pass and sure enough, I had sat one row further up than I should have. So I'm sitting in the center row in her seat and I'm supposed to be back in the center row right behind. And so when she realized that, she says, well, don't get up. She said, I'll just sit in your seat and you can sit in my seat because they're both center seats. We both lose. And so she sits down, and so I'm like, great. I mean, it, like, I didn't think anything about it. She didn't think anything about it. And a few minutes later, these two ginormous men get on this plane. If you've ever traveled, it's the men that you look at and think, Lord, don't let them sit by me. Lord, don't let them sit by me. Lord, don't let them sit by me. And they, like, just weren't heavy. I mean, their life, you've ever seen, like, the strongest men competitions? Like, these boys were thick, big, stout country boys, beards. And they get on and they're looking, at their, they're looking at their thing and they go back to my row that I should have been sitting in. And they sit on each side of this woman and she's crammed in. And I'm like, Lord, thank you for your goodness and your mercy <laughs> in my life. Lord, you said you'd prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> I look back, I felt bad and I said, do you want to switch? And you could tell everything in her wanted to say yes. Come on, you know how it is. She's like, no, that's okay. You just stay there. So, I mean, I wasn't about to argue with her. I just took the blessing. So I, I sat there. Here, sure enough, the, bo- the plane finishes boarding. Everybody gets on. Whoever was supposed to sit on the outside seat, now in the row I was sitting in the window seat, didn't show up. So I got to slide over and had an empty seat next to me. Thank you for the blessing. You know she was cussing and hating me the whole trip. I did. We flew to South Africa. I did apologize when we got off. I bought her coffee. Not that it made it any better for her, but I at least could sleep that night. But how do people know that you who travel and sometimes take trips is sometimes traveling isn't quite so tranquil. Oftentimes when you travel, there are a lot of tests on the trips. When you travel, sometimes you have crying babies and lost luggage Sometimes you have delays and cancellations and layovers. There are all these things that sometimes make our journey difficult. Now, just as I get into this, if you're new here, you're new to spiritual things, we're not talking literally just about flying. We're talking about symbolically the journey all of us are on as we're moving forward in in our marriage, in in our parenthood, moving forward in our ministry, moving forward in our businesses. How many people know that it's not always a smooth journey? Sometimes traveling in life is a bumpy road. In fact, some of you in this room, you've already figured out that oftentimes you don't get a direct flight. There are some detours along the road. The detours, in fact, some of you are here and you know what I'm talking about. Like all you have to show people is, is kind of the Instagram pic with you smiling at your destination, but nobody got to see the pain that you went through to get where you are. Can anybody help me in this room? You got someplace because of God's goodness. And so today we're going to jump in and we're going to look at the life of this guy by the name of Abraham that we've been talking about through this series 767. And we're going to find where we've gone through so far is the the biblical narrative opens up in Genesis early and introduces this guy by the name of Abraham who becomes for all of us this example of faith. That as you watch him, you figure out like 
what does it mean to trust God? What does it mean to have faith? This guy gets big, crazy promises from God, and he just simply believes God, believes God can, believes God will, and follows God. And he goes on a journey. God shows up and calls him to leave what he's familiar with, to leave his family, to leave everything he grew up around because God wants to take him to a place. Everybody say a place. He has a destination for him. God wants to take him to this place to show him. And he doesn't just have a place for him. He has a people for him. Because this man at 75 years of age, Abraham, has not had any kids. His wife, Sarah, has not been able to give him any kids. God says he's going to give not just a kid but a whole bunch of kids. And that that family line ultimately is going to be the nation of Israel. And the nation of Israel will give birth to the Messiah, Jesus. And so as we track his journey, week one, we said this, wheels up. Everybody say wheels up. That God has a destination for you. In 2019, you you need to believe that there are going to be some departures and some arrivals. That God wants to bless you to take you someplace in your business, in your family, in your marriage that you maybe didn't get to experience in 2018, but this is the year. But you can't get comfortable where you are. You got to be excited and expecting to go where God wants you to go. And last uh, two weeks ago, we said you got to pack light. Come on, everybody, say pack light. There's some stuff that can't go with you, stuff you experienced, attitudes you had, things in your heart, sometimes relationships. There are things that can't go with us in 2019. If we're going to get to our destination, you have to pack light. And last week we said this, that on our journey, God promised, Jesus, he said this, that as you navigate life, he promised that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, who lives on the inside of people of faith, that he would lead and guide us into all truth, which means you're not on this journey alone to figure it out alone, but he promised a voice to nudge you, guide you, whisper to you, to help you get where you're going and navigate the turns. And so we need to know through this that you have to make a choice to listen to the voice of your captain. You have to lean in and allow God to speak to you. And so today I just want to talk about the detours in our destination, some of the delays that that we all are going to face as we try to get to our destination, we're going to talk about the detours ahead, the detours ahead. In fact, I want to just write this down right out of the gate that God didn't just choose the destination, but the direction. Come on. When I say that, I mean, like, as we're going where God wants us to go, as we're navigating where God has for us, like God didn't just pick out what he has for you. God didn't just pick out the place he has for you. God didn't just didn't pick out a ministry or a business. God didn't just didn't pick out a relationship. God didn't just pick out a dream and a purpose for you, but God knows how you're going to get where he has for you to go. God just doesn't have the destination. God has the direction, which means when you experience a detour in life, you need to know the same God who picked out a good place for you also is responsible for the turn you're about to take. And you need to know that because when it gets difficult, you need to remember who made the choice for you to take the turn. Come on, everybody shop detour ahead. There is a detour ahead. And sometimes as we experience those and navigate them, they're very difficult. But what you need to know about detours is that sometimes God will take you through in order to get you ready for what he's taking you to. Come on, anybody here ready for 2019? Anybody ready for something really great in your life? Come on, in your ministry, in this church? Anybody here excited for what God wants to do? It's a new year, people, and I believe in God for new things. Come on, can we just make some noise for God? So we're going to look at a story, a detour, that happens in the life of Abraham, and kind of some crazy things happen here. So Abraham, he leaves where he grew up, his hometown the, the town of Ur, 
God tells him to leave. He leaves, and he ends up kind of hanging out. He stops too soon and lands in this place called Haran. God shows up again, Genesis 12, and says, hey, you need to go to the land of Canaan. Canaan was the land that God had promised to the descendants of Abraham. It was, if some of you have been in church or you know some biblical narrative, it was the promised land. It was the place that when the nation of Israel left the bondage in Egypt, where they went to, it's what many of the books in the Bible are about, about them going in and fighting to possess the land and fighting to keep the land and all the things they experienced. So God wants to show Abraham where his descendants will live. And so he heads that way and he gets there and while he's there, a famine arises. And so he leaves Egypt to go find something to eat. And he goes, or doesn't leave, heads to Egypt to find something to eat. So he leaves Canaan to go down to Egypt. And on his way there, check this conversation out. On his way to Egypt, he's very aware of a tradition at that time that many kings have, including Pharaoh. And the tradition was that if a Pharaoh or a king saw someone uh, that was hot, like you were just large and in charge, and you can say, I want her, and she belonged to you. And if her was married to a him, he got killed. And so Abraham knew his, his wife, she, had to go, she was 65, and she had it going on. You know you married up. Come on, anybody here marry up in the room? Every man in this room, if you know what's good for you, like, yes. I, I definitely married up. I married up. I married up. She's not here. I wasted that for nothing. I hope she's, <laughs> hope she's watching. She married up. Since she's not in here, she married up. <laughs> so, so he's on his way there. He knows that potentially Pharaoh will eye his wife, Sarah, and say, I want you, and because they're married, kill him. So out of fear for his life, he tells his wife, Sarah, hey, when we get to Egypt, let's not play married anymore. Let's act like we're brother and sister. I would love to have heard the conversation after that. Because you know what it sounded like? It sounded just like this. Women, you know what I'm talking about. Nothing. What's wrong, baby? Nothing. That's what the conversation sounded like the whole way there. Here's the deal. Watch this. Read it with me. Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 and 11. Here's that little piece of the story. It says, at that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abram to go down to Egypt where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, look, you're a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him. Then we can have her. So please tell them you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Here's what you need to know. Our response to the famine often exposes our flaws. Sometimes we will get in situations and it exposes really what's in us. And here what we find is if you follow the life of Abraham is that he's always being moved by God's voice. From the time he leaves every turn, he's moved by God's voice. And the word of the Lord said, and the word of the Lord said, Again, it's his captain speaking to him as he navigates. But you'll find when he makes this move to leave the place of famine, to leave Egypt, God doesn't tell him to go, which sometimes you'll make bad decisions in a season of famine. In fact, everybody needs to know this. Two of the times that will expose your character the most are when things are really bad and when things are really good. I'm telling you, you need some bumpiness in your life because I'm going to be honest, sometimes things can get so good you'll forget to pray. 
when your kids are pulling in A's and everybody's making sense and the bills are paid and the 401k is growing and the business is okay, when everything's going okay, I'm just telling you, sometimes it takes some tension in life to drive us to our knees. Sometimes it takes some things breaking down around us to put us in the place where we turn to God. So when things are too good in your life, it ought to be a warning to you. Are you still trusting God when things are good? But sometimes things can get so bad that we start making some bad decisions in the bad places we're at. And that's exactly what happened to Abraham. He didn't listen to God. In fact, the best advice I can give you, people ask me on a regular basis, pastor, I got a job opportunity. Should I take it? Pastor, I got an opportunity to move into a house. Should I buy it? Pastor, I'm dating this guy. He's really good. Should I marry him? Here's the advice I give every single person. So it'll save you a trip up here waiting in line to talk to me. What's the word of the Lord to you? Because it don't matter what I say. It don't matter what your buddies say, your friends say, your homeboys say. It doesn't matter what they say. God has a plan and purpose for you. And if you want to know his plan and purpose for you, you got to hear his voice, not their voice. Who is the they you're listening to? And so Abraham was listening to the wrong people. He wasn't listening to God and ended up in Egypt. But God used Egypt in a big way. In fact, check this out. James chapter 1, verse 2 is going to speak to us, I think, today for a few minutes. Come on, everybody say detour ahead. Here we go. Dear brothers and sisters, every voice, come on, read it with me. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Y'all read that like it made sense. <laughs> Listen to this. Dear brother, when trouble comes your way, get joyful. What? Who, how did, who voted that verse in? Are you kidding me? Listen to this. It says, when trouble comes your way, some translations say when various troubles come your way. See, this is about the detour. This is about what God is doing, again, because God is in control of the, of the, the detour, not just the destination, which means if we get in a place where it feels like a detour, God put us in that place for a reason. See, a lot of us, when trouble comes, we try to get out of trouble, don't we? Here's what you need to know is sometimes God will allow trouble to come your way. God will put you in trouble to show you the trouble that's in you. See, think about it. There's trouble in every situation in life. If you're here and you're single and your thought is, man, I got all these issues. If I could just get married, it would fix the problem. Here's the issue is the person with the problem, when they go from being single to being married, still have the problems. There are single people. Tell them I'll call them back. It's like he, he, he threw her way out there right in front of everybody. I bet y'all silence your phones next week. So I want you to hear this. Listen, if you're single, single people have problems. I want you to know married people have problems too. Oh, wasn't nobody amen in that. You have married problems too. In fact, some of you in this room and you think you're married to somebody and you think the best thing that can happen to you is to get a divorce, to get away from that crazy person, that toxic, toxic relationship. Listen, being single is, is an issue too because the problem is you in the marriage as well. There are things in you that are being exposed in the issue of your relationship. And so the goal isn't becoming single to get married or married to go back to single. You got to deal with the trouble and God allows trouble to come our way to expose what's in us. Poor people, sometimes poor people think the answer to everything is just money. If I can just get some more money, if I can get some more Benjamins, things would be okay. Listen, you can line your pocket with all the money you want, but if you don't change the lining in your heart, nothing will change. Because there are poor people problems, but there are rich people problems too. People who have a lot of money are the most likely to face greed and selfishness. Jesus had a lot to say 
to rich people. And so there's problems everywhere we go. The issue is God takes us there for a reason. On the detour, we experience, experience this trouble for a very real reason. In fact, he says this. He says, he says when these troubles come, he says, count it as an opportunity. An opportunity for what? To lose your mind? To lose your temper? To lose your patience? Let me tell you guys a story. Some of you know, I, I told you um, I, I just finished my first, first semester. I'm in the second semester of my grad school. I went back to school. And um, so finishing the first semester happened around Christmas time. It's the craziest time of the year. I mean, I'm already busy. I'm just already busy in life. Like many of you, I have my own hands full. And so I'm already busy. Then we come into Christmas time. Christmas just kind of amps up how busy everybody is. We're trying to get ready for the holidays. We're trying to get ready for the holidays here. We have multi-site, multi-services, trying to make sure everything goes off without a hitch. Like I'm just feeling the weight of the moment. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Then we're trying to finish off the semester. I have all these papers due. And this one paper, man, I really had, a, like it wasn't just a paper I had to get done. Like I had a passion about it. Like I owned the topic. I was moved by the topic. I killed this paper, but I was putting in, uh, several, several weeks in a row, 80 hour, 80 hour plus weeks. I would work here. I'd go home, close the door and just work all night, work into the morning, go to bed and just redo it. Just trying to get ready for Christmas, finish up school, do family. I'm trying to get all this done. Anyways, I nailed this paper. I'm telling you, I nailed it. I submitted it to my professor. I'm like, just don't even read, just put an A on it and send it back. <laughs> Truly. I mean, it typically takes sometimes several weeks to hear back from your professor like within an hour, I get an email from my professor that says something to this effect. Dear Stephen, while your, paper is evident, while your paper expresses evidence that you've spent a significant amount of time preparing this paper, currently as is, I would have to grade it as an F. I have never, this is true, I've never gotten an F in my life. I've gone to school high, drunk, Taking tests, I didn't even begin to pray for. Didn't do homework, and I've never gotten an F. Something I poured my, I mean, I, I was more sober for that paper than anything ever in my life. <laughs> We're talking about a long time ago. Some of you are like, is he talking about like recently? <laughs> like how long ago are we talking about? Give me, give us some, <laughs> like long time ago. And I'm just telling you, listen, as soon as I got that email, like I didn't even finish reading it, I could feel my blood pressure rising. Like, I got out the phone, and I'm boop, boop, beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. Man, I dialed the professor's number, and it rang and rang. Thankfully, I'm, I'm, for, I'm glad today he didn't answer the phone, but I'm glad he didn't answer it. But I called the associate professor. I got him on the phone. Man, I crawled all up and down him, for real. I was so mad because I had invested so much time that I didn't have to invest, invested so much emotion like I was in. I'm like, listen, if this is an F, listen, I followed everything that was outlined by the professor in the syllabus, line by line. I, I read off. He asked for this. I gave him this, gave him this, gave him this. And if this is an F, then I can't give you an A, then I can't give you what you need. I'm out of the program. I'll quit. He's like, Stephen, take a breath. Just chill out. I'll read your paper. I'll talk to Professor Sanderson. We'll get it worked out. And I got off the phone, and I'm just like, and I go to school. Where I go to school is, is up in North Dakota, which is good because I would have drove if it was like within six hours. <laughs> For real, I'm like, man, I can't believe it. I, like, I had not felt the way I felt. I know somebody's saying it's over paper. Listen, I got my test. You got yours. And here's, there's, here's the good news is, when it was all said and done, I got an A on the paper. Come on, give me, give me some love. But see, this is what you need to hear. It doesn't matter that I got an A on the paper. I got an F on the test. 
See, God put me in a situation to expose what I was in. God brought me through a trial to show who I was and what showed up I didn't like and God didn't like either. See, it wasn't really about the paper. It was about the test of how I would experience what I went through, about how I would handle what came my way. See, God takes us through detours to expose what's in us. So James says, listen, when trouble comes your way, you need to see it as an opportunity. There's a detour coming your way. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be difficult. But God will take you that way through the detour because it's necessary to get you ready for where he's taking you to, to your destination. He says it this way. Watch. We need to see obstructions as opportunities instead of opposition. See, God's not putting things in your way to hold you back. God's putting things in your way to get you ready for where he's taking you. See, all of us in this room need to know that, that there are things on the inside of us that, listen, God wants to deal with. In fact, James 1.3 says this, for you know that when your faith is tested, come on, travel is a test. Everybody say it, travel is a test. If you're traveling in your relationship with God, if you're traveling in your journey to your goal, your purpose, your calling, you will experience some tests along the way. And for all of us in this room, again, he says, for we know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. What's crazy is we go through hard times. I go through hard times. We all go through these tests and these trials. And what we're praying for is we want God to get us out of it. And sometimes God wants to get it out of us. Come on. God's trying to get some things out of us. See, he allowed us to get into a situation and I love it. I love it. Don't you love it when God, shows, when God shows up? Anybody here love it when you're in a difficult place and God comes through, God provides, God makes a way, God opens a door, God does what only God can do? Come on, is anybody here thankful that we serve a faithful God? But here, see, sometimes, see, sometimes trouble isn't just an opportunity for God to reveal himself to us. No, much more often, God sometimes uses trouble to reveal us to ourselves. Who are you really? What's really in you? See, it's not really about your cable going out. God allowed your cable to go out so you would see not that you had cable, but see what's in you. How did you handle the phone call when you called? It's not about the service of the waiter or the waitress. It's about how you handled the waiter or the waitress in the service you got. Oh, I'm preaching now. See, God sometimes will allow these situations to come our way. So when we see how we respond in the situation, we will realize we're maybe not as good as we thought, not as put together as we thought, not as controlled as we thought. See, Abraham, Abraham's situation was an exposure to his, was a, an exposure to his composure. It exposed who he really was. This man who today still is an example of faith, in the moment God's man of faith became a man of fear. And God said, before I can ever get you to the promised land, I need to make sure you're ready to get where you're going. In order for me to get ready for where you're going, I got to deal with what's in you now. God has to deal with the junk and the baggage on the inside of every one of us in this room. Some of us are here because we passed some tests. I believe with all my heart that I have the marriage I have, I have the family I have, I have the ministry I have, for sure because of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. But I am in the place I'm at in life because I've passed some tests. But I'm not in the place I could have been in. You know why? Because I've not passed some tests yet. I'm not ready to get where God has for me yet. Some of you in this room have passed some tests. You've gone through some trials. Some of us in this room, how many people need to pass some tests still? How many people here need to pass some tests? So the challenge is for all of us, and this is what Abraham experiences. He gets in this place, and think about this. He has more confidence 
in the power of Pharaoh to kill him rather than the power of God to keep him. I know y'all know this, but let me just let you in on something. God trumps them all. Come on. God trumps them all. God trumps Trump. God trumps Congress. God trumps Pharaoh. God trumps every situation. God trumps your boss. Your boss isn't in control of your destiny. God's in control of your destiny. God trumps your boss. God trumps your husband. God trumps the situation. God is in control. God is sovereign, and we got to put our trust in him. And in the moment, Abraham flinched in fear. And instead of trusting God, he trusted his ability to spin a lie to get himself out of the situation. And God said, I didn't put you in a situation to see how, see how witty you could be. I put you in the situation to see how broken you are. See, because when you realize you're broken, you won't fix something unless you realize it's broken. But when you realize you're broken because it's been exposed, that's when we have the privilege to fall back on God. See, God's not setting you up to fail, but he'll allow the failure to come to set you up ultimately to be people of character and integrity. God will allow hardships to come. You say, man, God calls that. Listen, this, this is how you know. This is how you know if the hardship you're experiencing is from God or just from bad decisions. Did you obey God to get there? Did you obey God to get there? If you didn't care what God had to say about the person you're dating, then probably what you're experiencing didn't have anything to do with God had to do with your decisions. But if you prayed and like you did your best to follow God's plan for your life and you're experiencing some hardship, some difficulty or some trouble, God allowed that to come your way to expose what's in you, to get you ready for where he's taking you. Come on. So this is awesome. So again, Abraham is this man of faith. So he shows up and all he sees is trouble. Again, he needs, instead of seeing the opposition, he should have seen the opportunity. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this last thing down. Faith can't determine what we go through, but it can define what we go through. It can determine. You can have all the faith in the world, but you can't always steer your life. You're not always in control of what comes your way, the challenges in your marriages, the choices your kids make. You can't always control by faith what happens in the financial markets. You, while you can't determine, you can define it, which means when you show up and lay eyes on what you see, what Abraham should have seen, he shouldn't have seen an opportunity to lie. He should have saw an opportunity to trust God. See, what I want you to know is that what God does in our life is sometimes he sets us up in this place not to be overcome, but to see an opportunity to overcome. See, some of you are in a situation, you were dating somebody and, and, and they broke up with you. You need to see it in a different way. Some of you are depressed because they broke up with you. You shouldn't see it as a breakup. You should see it as a breakout. God brought that trial your way to get you free of something bad, to get you set up for the right person. Some of you need to say, see the layoff. It's not a layoff. It's a promotion. If you'd have stayed in that job, it'd have been dead end. God has something better for you, but by eyes, all you see is the bad. God allows things to come your way to get you into what he has for you. Come on. See with different eyes that God's in control. Why am I here? Why am I experiencing this? What's coming out of you in the moment? What are you displaying in the season? And if you'll pass the test, God will promote you. If you, pass, if you fail the test, I'm telling you, you'll just retake it. You'll just retake it. Some of you wonder, like, why do I keep going through this? Because you keep failing the test. You want to get out of ninth grade? Pass the test. You can go to 10th. You want to get out of the season you're in? Pass the test. Everybody shout, pass the test. It's that season, man, where God is forming us and making us, and it doesn't come when it's easy. It's about the bling. 
about the bling, diamonds. Diamonds are created in the crust. For years, people thought that it came from coal. It didn't. It comes from deep in the crust. Geologists believe, but still, it's true that the beauty of diamonds is made under intense pressure and heat. If you don't have pressure and you don't have heat, you don't have diamonds and you don't have value. But even with all the pressure and the heat after it's created, it really doesn't have value till it gets to the cutter. What the cutter does, the cutter has the ability and is training to look at a stone and determine what's the best cut for the diamond. What's the way I can cut this to get the most value out of it? See, the diamond doesn't get to determine its value. The cutter gets to determine it. And some in this room, God is cutting stuff off of your life and you think he's hurting you. God is really setting you up for you to experience your greatest value in life. Your greatest value as a husband. Your greatest value as a wife. Your greatest value as a friend. Your greatest value as a business owner. Your greatest value as a minister, as a person who serves and loves people. God sometimes will cut stuff off of you and you see it as loss and you need to see it as gain. But it's not done because the ring, listen, doesn't, the diamond doesn't get mounted on the ring until it ends up by getting polished. And that polish, it's that fine buff. When you get a, when you get a diamond and it's created and it's cut and it's polished, even the, even the greatest diamond still has flaws. You'll never be perfect. You'll never be perfect. But once you go through the pressure and the heat and the cutting, doesn't sound pleasant, does it? That's when it comes to the bling. God wants you to be the bling on the ring. Comes through pressure, comes through heat. Peter says it this way, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. He says, so be truly glad. Come on, everybody here, read this. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Keep going. He says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. See, ultimately, it's not about your next destination. It's about destination salvation. See, what God is working in all of us isn't just getting you ready for the next, for 2019. God's getting us ready for eternity. And he will allow those challenges and tests and trials to come and show us what we're really made of. Not so we'll walk away in condemnation when we fail, but we'll fall back on his mercy and say, God, give me another chance. And God will forgive us and he'll cause us to go through another test and this time with his grace will pass. But if you think you're strong and you think you got it all together, the way you'll know it is when you go through the test. How many of you in this room would say, Pastor Steve, I want to pass the test. I want to pass the test in 2019. Well, get ready. Detours are coming. Tests are coming. Guy who, uh, the guy who discipled me when I was a young believer, he used to always tell me this. He would say, it's like a person holding a hot cup of coffee. If you just bump into somebody and the cup is full, what spills out of the cup? Coffee. Whatever's in the cup comes out of the cup when you get bumped. You want to know what's in you? Get bumped. Get bumped in traffic. Get bumped by your boss. Get bumped by a hardship because what comes out of you is what's really in you. It's not all the stuff we want people to think's in us. And it's not bad. Because it gives us a chance to see what we're really made of. So we have an opportunity with God's grace to grow 
and mature and become complete. Paul said in Colossians 1.29, he said, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man that we might present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. The word perfect means mature, complete. It's that process of growing, of maturing. And you just don't get there easy. I wish it was easy, but you're gonna face some things personally, in your family, in your career, and they're gonna be hardships. But remember God, allowed it to come your way for a reason. Instead of saying, why am I in this? We should say, what's in me? Instead of waiting for God to reveal himself, we should watch for God to reveal me. Instead of trying to be strong in our weakness, we should see our weakness as an opportunity for God's strength. Instead of seeing obstacles as opposition, we should see obstacles as opportunities. Instead of trusting ourselves, we should trust the one we follow. So Lord, all over this room, I pray in the name of Jesus that God, you would give us the ability to pass the test. God, I, I, know, I know myself and I know God, a lot of people in this room, a lot of people watching online, Lord, we fail some tests. Lord, we didn't pass what came out of us, what was exposed in the moment. God, wasn't what you wanted. It's not what we want. But Father, I pray with your grace in 2019, as you take us on detours to our destination, I pray we would develop to be the people you've called us to be. Prepare us for what you have for us. And Lord, I thank you in advance for your goodness and your mercy throughout the travel and throughout the trip. In Jesus' name. Listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed just for a minute. You know, man, all of us in this room, we have all messed up. We've all missed the mark. The Bible says all of us are sinners. That's not a title we, we naturally lean towards. It's not something that anybody wants to be tagged with, but it's what God's word says nonetheless, that all of us have sinned, all of us, all of us in this room. Doesn't matter how you were raised, what home, doesn't matter if you grew up in Sunday school or you grew up an atheist, everybody has sinned. And our sin, our choices to do things our way instead of God's way, our choices to live life and do things our way instead of God's way, to break God's law, to violate his commands, to not do what we should do and to do what we shouldn't do. It's sin. And it breaks our relationship with our creator. And there's nothing we can do to bridge that gap of brokenness. There's not enough goodness, not enough religion to bridge the gap. That's why Jesus came. God sent his son to bridge the gap for us. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sin. So as we put our trust in him, we're forgiven and reconnected with our creator. If you're here and you've never said yes to God's grace, it is the answer to the hole in your heart. It is the answer to the salvation you seek. It's the answer to the meaning of life. It's the answer to eternity ahead. Jesus is the one who loved you enough to give his life for you. If you're here and you've never said yes to God's grace, I wanna close this in one more prayer. If you say, Pastor Steve, today I wanna say yes to God's forgiveness. I need it. I wanna say yes to Jesus. If you're watching at home or you're here live, can you just lift a hand real high? If that's you, Pastor Steve, pray for me. I want to say yes to God's grace. Come on. If you're here and you've never said yes, say yes. Come on, lift a hand real high. Today I say yes to God's grace for my life. I say yes to his forgiveness. Hands all over this house. I'm going to close this in this prayer. You can, you can pray the prayer I pray or you can pray your own prayer. Just ask God with full trust in your heart and he'll hear you. But can we pray this together? Father, I love you and I know you love me because you demonstrated it 
through sending your son Jesus to pay the ultimate price to save me. I confess my sin and I ask you to make me your child. Forgive me and help me from this day forward to follow you in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said amen.